0: Hello and welcome to the Tez Podcast. My name is Ellen the Busby and today I'm joined by Helen Amass. Hello, Helen. Hello. Will Hazel. Hello, Will. Hello. And Ed Doro. Hello, Ed. Bonjour. So, it's January. People haven't been paid yet. There's a lot of bad feeling maybe around.
1: Bad and, feeling?
0: But, well, you know, people are stressed. Blue Monday was Blue this week. Blue Monday, yeah. Let's that not was forget. Tiring, wasn't it? And that's often because it's January. People still haven't paid for their Christmas things or they're paying them off and they haven't been paid yet. And so we've got a story about pay. See the link? (laughs) You're like, why is she complaining about pay again? (laughs) Um, Will, can you tell us a bit more about your piece? It's about support staff pay, isn't it?
2: Yes, it is. So something which sort of slipped out before Christmas and hasn't been picked up by a great deal of people was the pay offer made to school support staff and also to local government employees as well um so that came out for christmas and it actually has quite kind of serious implications for schools because um the the offer um and we don't know if it's going to be accepted by the unions uh, yet who are negotiating um with employers on this but the offer um is bottom loaded and it's um basically <laughs> very uh, substantial for those at the sort of lower end of the kind of pay spectrum mm-hmm. and obviously that will include a lot of school support staff mm-hmm. um, so the increase um, in the next year so from April um, is 9% for okay. the lowest paid mm-hmm. and there'll be another increase um, the year after that so there's some support staff who could see their salaries increase by 16% over the next two years right, okay. and obviously that's great for school support staff mm-hmm. um, so I think basically everyone's agreed that you know they do a really important job, um, sometimes a very difficult job, and they're paid really poorly generally. Mm. Um, but the issue for school budgets is that this pay increase isn't uh, funded by the government, so there's no additional kind of cash attached to help schools do this. Mm-hmm. So they're going to have to fork out for the increase from their budgets, and as we Reporting for a long while, those budgets are really stretched. So um, schools are going to find themselves on the, the horns of a dilemma. Really,
0: I mean, with the current funding funding situation, school is another thing for schools to think about yeah. when they're planning their budgets coming up. Yeah, yeah, and
1: does it affect academies?
2: So it, it will affect um, a lot of academies, which is I think something which people will be surprised at. Mm. So the people who negotiate this offer and, and make the offer. Uh, it's, it's a body called the, the National Joint Council, um, and that represents uh, local government employ, em- employers. So you might suspect, oh, well, this is only going to impact maintained maintain schools. But actually, lots of academies will be affected by this because they'll have recognition agreements with unions that actually they will sort of abide by this offer. Or um, actually, the contracts of Um, their school support staff who were obviously in many cases previously employed by the local government those kind of contracts will stipulate that they'll be covered by this offer so actually it's it's not just going to be maintained schools it's going to be academies as well and i spoke to martin oliver the chief executive of outward grange academies trust before christmas and he said that this is going to cost his chain uh, an extra million pounds um, so it is going to have quite a significant impact.
0: Sure, and obviously some heads don't necessarily realise how much of an impact it's going to have over two years. Yeah, but for many teaching assistants, they will feel like this is something they've been wanting for a long time. We've we've spoken to a number that, you know, really have had to take make some sacrifices because they haven't experienced pay rises.
2: Yeah, absolutely, um, and that's why I think lots of people are finding this really difficult. We spoke to the heads' union unions, and they said you know we're absolutely kind of 100 percent behind paying our support staff a decent wage but we just have very little money to kind of do that but no you're right i spoke to um a teaching assistant and um, we spoke to a couple of them and some of their sort of stories were quite shocking really i mean uh, i spoke to a teaching assistant who works in south london who said that um points in recent years, she's been forced just to have one meal a day, because um, that's all she can afford. She's had to make the choice between uh, heating and eating, so she was kind of getting by uh, with you know hot water bottles and um, uh, wearing kind of blankets in the evening at home. Um, uh, stories of um, a teaching assistant whose car broke down and they basically couldn't afford to fix it, so they're having trouble getting into work. Um, a story of uh, a teaching assistant who's been forced to um, visit a food bank um, and, and has sort of fa- found that a sort of um, an experience which she's quite ashamed of. So yeah, some really kind of quite powerful stories about yeah. actually how difficult it is for these staff.
0: And when might we know um, if this pay package is going ahead?
2: So I've been told by one of the unions which is negotiating this that we'll get a sort of sense. I think towards the end of this month. Um, because they're kind of currently deliberating uh, about this and deciding whether they want to accept it. The Unite Union has actually already sort of broken ranks and they've they've said that they're going to be advising members to reject it um, because for those who are slightly further up the pay scale, they won't be earning huge amounts. Um, but, but those um, who are towards the the top of the scale, um, they're only in line for a two percent increase, which okay. the unions don't think is enough. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think there'll be ballots, um, you know, in the sort of coming weeks, and then we'll have a, an idea of what's going to happen.
0: Okay. So one to watch for yeah. sure. And Helen, you've got a, a feature in this week's magazine about what you want... Well, basically 13,000 children were spoken mm-hmm, to about what they right. wanted to be when they grew up. Yeah. Um, and they, was it the idea that they would draw a picture of what they wanted to be and give a brief explanation of what they
3: wanted to be? That's right, yeah. It's uh, research conducted by a charity called Education and Employers um, who do lots of research into uh, careers aspirations uh, in young people. Um, they've done research previously uh, into aspirations for secondary school students um, but this one is specifically about career aspirations of primary students, so mm-hmm. uh, pupils between the ages of seven and eleven, um, and they were, as you say, asked to they asked to were asked to draw a picture of what they wanted to be, and uh, the results were quite interesting. Well, why draw? Why draw? Um, because I think that's a way that students can communicate it, and I think. They wanted to just make it a bit more interesting rather than just saying it to them i don't think there was a particular Deep reason psychological reason there wasn't a that. psychological reason no yeah. they w- they are having a competition for the best drawing though so perhaps that was a way to get s- students to to get engaged with it okay fair sure. enough yeah
1: that's, that's a visual for
3: us yeah it's really lovely their pictures are brilliant some of them are really funny as well and there's some really unusual uh, choices
0: yeah uh, a fidget spinner shop owner
3: yeah fidget which spinner i shop owner. loved mm. There's also the student so that's who. that the thing?
0: <laughs> well, no, but that's the, that's the thing. He, is it he? Yeah, he has come up with an idea that could work. But it's just whether the fad is still
3: there <laughs> in however many years when he would be setting up the shop. It be a pop-up shop. shop, wouldn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if he's a successful entrepreneur, whatever is the craze of the time, that's exactly. what he'll go yeah. for. Yeah. Um, and there's also a student who wanted to be a bomb diffuser. Uh, who, that student came wow. from an area of the country that had been touched by terrorism. So oh. their reasoning behind that was wanting to uh, save lives by being able to defuse the bombs. But the top job chosen overall was sportsman slash woman, which is quite interesting. And yeah. second was teacher. Whee. Hey. Hey. Teacher, see, there are people that will go into the profession <laughs> <laughs> eventually. Yeah, well, it like
1: it's only <laughs> against 21. They decide against that. Yeah.
3: Um, but the whole idea as well. Um, from the the research is that students are choosing jobs that they can see Um, so obviously teacher is very high up the list because they see teachers on a daily basis Mm -hmm. Um, although it's it's much it's the top job for girls and lower down the list for boys possibly because there are not many male primary teachers lots of female primary teachers
0: that's interesting and Um, there's other gender wise there are certain jobs that boys are still more likely to choose than girls
3: yeah that's right so the stereotypes around gender um do tend to sort of hold true for the most part um in the research so the boys are wanting to be things like uh, police officers um they have roles in the army uh, be engineers whereas the the girls are choosing roles like hairdresser dancer and nurse um okay. in the top ten so it's, uh, it's quite bit depressing bit. really isn't it mm. it is yeah it, it suggests that you know these stereotypes are, are embedded really early on mm. um from the age of seven um and that they're not going away yet mm. so we need to be doing more to um to change that
0: and career aspirations are also determined by potentially your background as well, is that right?
3: Yeah, so if the students who came from um, more socially deprived areas were less likely to, um, to choose jobs that are sort of more aspirational roles, so they would pick um, mechanic over engineer, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So that's also something that we need to work on. And that starts, um, the researchers say, with getting more... Uh, role models, more varied role models into schools, because again, it comes down to to students being able to see those roles and mm. see themselves in those roles.
1: Yeah. Where where did journalists come?
3: Journalists are quite low down the list. Um, I think it was 0.1 percent of students. Is there in anyone role. below us? Uh, yeah, lowest
0: is advertising. Yeah. So don't worry, <laughs> 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 you're yeah. not
3: bottom. We're not bottom of the bottom. But um, yes, it's quite interesting
0: that, that paramedic <sighs> is so
3: low. Yes, so um, then they wouldn't necessarily know it's called a paramedic. Oh, yes, paramedic exactly. yes, that's true. It. Doctor yeah. is, is is quite high on the list, so doctor mm. is in the top ten, uh, as is nurse. Um, so
0: interesting that celebrity though is also in the bottom ten, which you would think. Well, people always say, "Oh, Please, this yeah, generation, they're Kim one Kardashian, celebs," yeah. but not a primary. No. maybe that changes when they go into secondary.
1: Yeah, go mm. in like the mail online.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so what? what did you want to be, Ed, when you wanted to Well, funnily enough,
1: I wanted to be a journalist. Oh,
0: there you go. As
1: far back as I can remember.
0: You're one of the few. Sad, years. isn't it? What was
1: behind that, do you think? <laughs> I don't know. I don't come from a journalist family at all. There's no, there's no journalists. Were you good at English teachers at school? And, no, yeah. not terribly, as, oh, okay. as our readers will probably know. <laughs> yeah. uh, I come from a family of teachers and doctors. don't know. I love the newspaper. There's pictures of me, old sepia pictures in the eighties, <laughs> of me as a small boy reading the Times.
0: Amazing.
1: It's odd, isn't it? That
0: is odd. Will, <laughs> what did you want
2: to be? Um, Corporate awesome. lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> I think my my mum tells me that when I was very little, I, I said I wanted to be a, a policeman farmer, which I'm not <laughs> sure that role actually exists. I also remember. Um, I love that. Wanting to kind of be David Attenborough. Um, at a young age as well. Who so, doesn't? Who doesn't want to yeah, do a Yeah, I think it's probably before. shared by a lot of people. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and Helen? I um, When I was in year six, I actually had to do something similar to this where we had to write about our favourite, uh, the job we wanted to be. And I wanted to be a lawyer at the time because mm. I'd read a book which had a lawyer as a, a main character. Oh. Um, but then my aunt was training to be a lawyer and I looked at one of her textbooks <laughs> and decided I definitely <laughs> didn't want to do that
0: job after that. Amazing. Well, I wanted to be a vet, which is uh, up there in the third most popular job I guess that's not really a surprise if you think kids love animals Mm. and are exposed to them but now I can't imagine doing that at all because I'm not good with blood (laughs) so um, yeah realised journalism was probably a better career Um, great well I think I'll leave it there that leaves me to say thank you to Helen thank you to Will thank you to Ed and thank Thank you for listening and make sure you tune in next week